right. Um, but even just speaking super softly just then, yeah, I'm already what, like. <laughs> what is it with your, <laughs> you're not normally this loud. Hey guys, welcome to the Remind podcast, where we combine neuroscience, spirituality, and personal development to help you heal your deepest wounds and transform your life. I'm Dr. Ashley Moreland. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave Masterton. Today, we are going to be talking about the difference between capacity versus capability. So really Mm. intrigued by this, Dave, because people think that they're the same thing. But they're really, really not. Well, they sound similar, don't they? They absolutely I do. Mean, I think we take capacity, capability, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So obviously from a nervous system perspective, I'm going to be talking a lot about our, our nervous system's capacity and how that plays into our day-to-day lives. So this could be like our capacity to make decisions, our capacity to remain regulated and respond to something in a calm, gentle, loving Mm. way, our capacity to have our kids touch us, our capacity (laughs) to deal with conflict, our capacity to perform under pressure, whatever it might be, we have capacities that impact us in in every aspect of our lives. So it's super relevant to everyone mm. listening. Well, I've got this. I've got this analogy, and um, there's this particular person that I know. And this particular person, when it comes to fueling their car, has this really odd strategy that they use. So I'm going to take capability as the size of the fuel tank, Mm. right? It's like, we'll say it's 60 litres or something like that. But they hate filling up the car. So they won't spend a lot of time at the petrol station. So the fuel tank only ever gets 20, 30, maybe 40 litres if you're lucky because they can't stand hanging around. But obviously they have to go back you know more more frequently so is that kind of what we're dealing with here like the the, the, the tank of, yeah the, so the, the, you can spend a lot more like you can fill it right up but because there's something else going on it just yeah. it's never you never get to your full capacity i well, am looking at well, you so, so this is where it gets interesting <laughs> because yes the analogy is kind of right except the languaging that i would use i'd flip it the other way because the fuel gotcha. tank for me represents <clears throat> capability whereas the amount of fuel available in the tank is the capacity okay. so the capacity to travel a hundred kilometers is based upon the fuel available for it, not the size of the tank. Mm. Right. So um, from this perspective, I love that analogy because it's sort of like when we can have expectations on others and expectations are so big, gosh, we could do an entire episode just on expectations, Mm. but we can have expectations on others in our workplace in our relationship with our children. This plays out everywhere based on what we know their capabilities to be. So Mm. I know you can do that. Why aren't you doing it? Mm. Mm. And it's real, like there's this mismatch between what I know you're capable of, you're able to do it. So why aren't you doing it? And I see this really play out. So my son has, you know, I call it the D-soup. And I, when he's really regulated and he has the capacity 
to do things, then the level of his, let's say, performance, the level Mm. of his concentration, the level of his whatever it might be, is more closely aligned to what I would expect as his capability, where I know he could be. But sometimes when I know his capability is up here, but what I'm actually seeing demonstrated is all the way down here and there's a big mismatch, then it's really interesting to look at well, why. Why does he not have the capacity to mm. perform at that level that he's capable of performing at? And a great example is like lack of sleep, right? We all know... <laughs> what uh, lack of sleep does to us and our capacity to handle the stresses that come about our day, the conflicts that come about, the (laughs) the issues happen to arise when we're super tired. They're the days you have a lot more caffeine, you eat a whole lot more and you just don't want to do anything. Don't look at me, don't touch me. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm going to doom scroll. They're the things that close the gap. They're the things that can artificially increase our capacity for energy or our capacity to think Mm. or our capacity to do whatever so it doesn't it's not representative of our capability and i find this really interesting i see this a lot in relationships and in parenting where people get so frustrated based upon the expectations they have of people um and they're let down because they're holding them to the expectation and standard of their capability with no consideration of that person's actual capacity to meet it. And would you say it's fair that, let's just talk about capability for a moment. Let's just say it is a set thing that let's say, call it a jar, call it a a bowl, Mm -hmm. call it whatever. And you fill it, you fill it up and that's with your capabilities. But let's just say for, for argument's sake, you can't do a lot. And then you sort of go, but I could do a whole lot more. I could put a whole lot more liquid water into this thing, but I'm simply, I've put a little bit in and I'm out. Yeah. Now, is that, would you sort of say from a nervous system point of view, is that because that space has already been taken up by something else that we're not aware of? Yeah, potentially, but it also just goes into our survival mechanisms, right? So when there's threat in our environment, well, then we have to keep ourselves safe. But... I think I've spoken about this in previous episodes. The the big things that will reduce our capacities are lack of sleep. So fatigue is a Mm. really, really big one. There's so much research on this. Um, So lack of sleep, chronic stress reduces our capacity. So, yeah, you might – there's this concept of spoons. I don't have enough spoons for that today. If you're not familiar with that as a listener, go and have a Google of it. Mm, okay. um, and that's that's spoons about you know spoons um, is, is capacity we're talking about capacity right. okay. um so if i have a set number of spoons and something costs me that many spoons well then i don't have enough spoons left to do the other thing that's sort of right. in a nutshell okay um so so it really is a discussion around capacity mm. uh, so lack of sleep chronic stress unresolved trauma is a really really big one so these are factors that reduce our nervous system's capacity to be able to function optimally and that's going to play out in our immune system if we don't have Mm. capacity well then we have a neuroimmune response it's going to play out in our endocrine system because we have a neuroendocrine response so our hormones are going to go haywire 
Um, it's going to play out in a whole heap of different ways, but that evidence of limited capacity is really profound emotionally, mm. behaviorally. So it almost like it's it spirals spirals one into another. Yeah. So if you end up staying up late at night because you're trying to soothe yourself, you don't get enough sleep, you got to get up early. You're then rushing and pushing against the fact that you don't have a lot of capacity or um, yeah capacity at the moment mm -hmm. and then you're basically falling back you know you go to work you do this you're getting stressed you have a short fuse and then you get home and you got to soothe yourself by the doom scrolling at night you stay up late you get up early in the morning and then mm -hmm. suddenly you get sick on top of that mm -hmm. <laughs> so your capacity just goes lower and lower and lower and lower, yeah. and lower. wow absolutely it, it makes so sense about this like from a nervous system perspective again i like to talk about this in a sensory way so sensory overload can be a really common thing and this is not just for people with asd or sensory processing disorder every single human walking the earth has a nervous system that can sometimes get overloaded mm. and it's just that for the, those people who have those diagnoses that is more prominent there's a lot they're a lot more sensitive to that so wow. what that might look like is if I have a capability of X amount withstanding X amount of stress, the sensory environment, so things that we can see, hear, taste, smell and touch, our sensory environment is all costing us in terms of capacity. And so when I'm working with schools, for example, even families who are trying to support their children's behaviour, you look at the environment and it's so overstimulating mm -hmm. and so it's really noisy. There's um, lots of glass windows with no window coverings. There might be high ceilings, hard floors, lots of um, stuff hanging, colourful things hanging everywhere, super chaotic. And so that the relevance of the hard surfaces is because noise bounces. Mm. So that's a lot of sensory information for the body. It's taking up space in that capacity. And when our senses are so overloaded and taking so much of that capacity space, our capacity left over to be able to navigate the world and navigate any new incoming stresses is really limited. And so that's when kids will have meltdowns. That's when kids will completely dissociate and shut down. That's mm. when kids will stop listening. That's when, you know, you can see the, the ongoing effects of that. So whether we're mm. talking about a school, a home, a workplace, it's really important to have an understanding of what are the other contributing factors that influence our capacity to be able to perform, to be able to sit, to be able to be present. Mm-hmm. Well, it sort of seems like when you put under pressure to do something and probably decision-making, I'd say, would be up there. Yeah. Like if if you're tired, you're sick, what's the last thing you want to do? Apart from get up and work or whatever. Yeah. You really don't want to make decisions. Even the yeah. simplest of decisions, someone says, what do you want what do you need? Oh, I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Oh, I don't know. Can you just... Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're talking about it could be as sort of simple as that. So the it seems like there's a combination of things. So chances are 
it really depends on in the morning. So I suppose when you talk about spoons, we're talking about like a unit of measure that you expel during the day. Yeah. This just happens to be a spoon, call it a spoon, call it what, whatever it is. So we're trying to look at, because everyone's got a certain amount of spoons. So some might already be taken up by having to deal with traumatic things that have been coming yeah. up from the past that get triggered by just on the most simplest of simplest of events or tasks then then you've got if you're in a situation which is creating extra expense like if you wake up in the morning and there's someone moody in the house and then you have to deal with that i'm assuming that's when you spend a bit more or you wake up and you've forgotten something Mm. and then suddenly you you got to race into action you're not just expelling the the normal amount of units you're taking more units because you're having to really rush around yeah and then someone calls you with a brand new oh this has just happened i need you to fix it 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 may not be life or life or death it might just be just another just and then someone else is calling you because they just want to vent because they've just had an interesting thing that someone just cut them off (laughs) and they're just in a so you're expelling it so it's really about how do we manage that how do we stay okay through these things because anyone doesn't matter how healed you are these things are going to take spoons take units of capacity away and so you could it's just trying to maximize that in the morning and knowing how to deal with it and try to make changes where you can minimize it because you can't minimize everything Mm. otherwise you're you're sitting on top of a mountain by yourself with your legs crossed in the in this position you know yeah exactly um, exactly so yeah a lot of the stuff that we talk about it really comes back to trauma <laughs> releasing it 100 uh, I mean, because i mean think about the things that are more draining right so the friend who rings you with the drama um mm-hmm. if we have a hard time setting boundaries and that's going to take more from us than if we set a boundary and have the the capability to set the boundary which then preserves capacity for other Hmm. things and so this is where again the conversation and i'm glad this sort of transition there because the conversation is around capability capability is about skills resources Hmm. frameworks knowledge understanding consciousness and so there's some things that it, like if my husband came to me and said, Ash, I need you to rebuild the engine of the car. I don't have the capability to do that because mm. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skills and I don't have the resources or the tools. So that's the capability. And then in terms of capacity, well, that's another conversation again. So well, you, can you, you, I... You spend the next six six months to a year, maybe even four years, figuring out how to do it. Yeah. But so is you... it possible for me to develop that capability? Oh, absolutely, but it yes. could, it'll take a very long time. Yeah, so there's a there's an element of learning that has to come in. So sometimes mm. we don't have the ability, let alone capacity. So there's two mm. separate conversations here, um, and and this is for any coach, any leader, any parent, any partner, any human. Part of your job is to determine: is this a capability thing? Or is this a capacity thing? Hmm. 
Because if it's a capability thing, the way that we're going to approach that's going to be very different. That's going to be coaching. It's going to be upskilling. It's going to be teaching, training, um, resourcing, equipping. That's the capability. Once we have the capability and we know how to do it, it's then a matter of do I have the capacity to actually execute and implement the thing that I just learned? So now I've got the skill, but can I actually execute it? And that might vary moment from moment and it might be contextual. So if it's about setting a boundary, I might know how to set a boundary. I might have all the tools and resources and skills and frameworks. And if I was setting a boundary with a complete stranger, I might have capacity for that because I'm not so intrinsically scared. What if they reject me? What if they abandon Mm. me? Because I'm not attached to them. But do I have the same capacity to set the same boundary using the exact same capability that I have with my partner or with my parent Mm. or with Mm. someone whose opinion matters to me? Do I have the capacity for that based upon the unresolved trauma where there's a fear of rejection or a fear of abandonment or a fear of letting someone down. Or just a validity that you're recraving outside or it's yeah. just fear of the unknown, exactly. which, is a, which is a big one. Yeah, and I think this is the really important aspect of differentiating between therapy versus coaching mm. because therapy alone isn't focused on capability so much. It's more focused on capacity. Whereas coaching is not focused on capacity so much, it's focused on capability. And there's a really, really, really big difference there. So for us, if we identify a gap or something that we're struggling with in life, it's really important for us to identify how much of this is a lack of capability where I need some extra skills. I need, for example, in my own life, I just realized that when it comes to interviewing people, I lacked the capability to do that well and to hire the people well that I needed because I needed to improve my skill set around interviewing, around extracting information from people. And then there's a whole separate conversation around capacity. Yeah, which is actually executing. Which is actually then, exactly, which is actually then implementing it. So it's really important to be able to differentiate between the two and find out, is my barrier just one of those? Is it that I'm more than happy to do it and I have the capacity to do it, but I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. I don't have the tools or skills or resources. Or do I have the um, tools and skills and resources and I just don't have the capacity to do it? It's a, it's a big one. It very much is a big one. And I'd like to take the conversation on a similar path to what you're saying, but to look at it from when you identified something that you need to get better at, why is that? Is that because you naturally feel the need and you have the desire and the passion to be better in that? Or is it coming from a sense of, I don't know what else to do, so I should do this or I'm being told I need to do this. Mm. Because that in itself, if you want to look at and, well, I'll come back to, to, to my views on it. The one thing that will build capacity is passion and desire. If I'm passionate about something, 
I get a whole lot more patient with it. I get a whole lot of spoons. I open the drawer, they're just falling out, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what barriers are there. I'm passionate, I love it, and I, you know, there's just a whole lot more capacity, regardless of the capability. And so when you look at things in your life, what are you actually passionate about? Mm, what brings you joy? Yes, because if you're focused on things that, well, I'm doing it because my father did and my, my father's father and blah, 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 and I'm, it's being, I should be doing this, then you might feel like every step you're walking through like a muddy swamp and every step is just like... Yeah, it's right? draining. And so just walking 100 metres would be like what it's like for someone, like for that same person who's passionate to cover that distance on a bicycle yeah. because you're guided with passion. So you're expelling one spoon on the bicycle, a thousand just walking in the wrong yeah. direction. Yeah. And I guess where that comes into is because you're listening outside of yourself. And if you're listening outside of yourself and doing things that maybe aren't for you, then those things, no matter how much capacity or how much capability you have, it's really... You know, we'll call it the universe's way of saying, maybe this is not for you. Yeah. That little thing you get, that thing you get really excited about. If it's life taking, like if it's really draining you, if yep. there's a lot of resistance within you, potentially, yeah, but not always. So I don't, I no, don't no, it's, it's, hear that and go, oh, that drains me. So I'm just not going to do it. It's not for me. It's not, not, not a, necessarily the case. No, but it's not it's, a blanket statement. It's a flag that signals explore this absolutely yeah because yeah there are things that are like any any growth any learning is difficult yeah. so if you took if you if you went to anything that's difficult and went oh no that's not for me well you you'll end up in a perpetual cycle absolutely um, but it's more about when you've exhausted capability capacity and then you start doubting yourself is where i'm talking about it's like trying to measure the ability of an elephant to climb a tree yeah it's like <laughs> you could you could try all you like you can learn all the techniques from the monkey but you're simply an elephant yeah so being able to take those things and take what you've sort of said earlier is it you just sort of lack knowledge mm -hmm. and you want to push it further or is it that you, when you look around you've got all the knowledge but you simply can't execute it because there's just something holding you back yeah. And it's not knowledge. Okay, there's like a big parachute behind me and a headwind. What the hell's yeah. going on? That's a, yeah, so exactly. So, so I know what to do, but I still can't do it. And that's something that a lot of people, by the time they reach me, that's an experience they're having in their lives. And I also think it's important to note that there's different types of capacity, right? Like. I would say the most prominent in my life is mental capacity. I will frequently assess a situation and go, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with that. So right now it might be, um, I, I know that I've got these whole list, this whole list of admin that needs my attention, bills to pay and this person to call and that to do. And it might take me 10 minutes. That might be all it takes. So I have the time capacity I have the physical capacity. Mm. I have the emotional capacity. I don't have the mental capacity. And 
other people, like my husband works in a very physical job, so he might have the emotional and time capacity, but he doesn't have the physical capacity because he comes home physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have the emotional capacity, the physical capacity and the mental capacity, but be at time capacity and not be able to fit it in. And so mm-hmm. it's sort of important, like if you're doing this in a workplace, for instance, really, really important to be able to ask questions and get curious about people not meeting KPIs, not meeting deadlines, not performing the way that you want them to perform and start to understand what is the barrier and what is the type of capacity or capability that's contributing to this. So mental capacity is a really, really big one for me. And there's things like, you know, if if my husband and I go out for dinner, Something that I don't think he grasps, this is probably common for so many couples, something that I don't think he grasps is that I know that there's like, it shouldn't be a hard question, what do you want for dinner? But one way that I feel so held and so loved and so supported is just for him to make a decision because I don't have the mental capacity to sit there and go, oh, we could do this, we should do that, let's do this, let's do that. I just, I feel he'll, so he'll throw it. Yeah. it is like a king in their masculine who says, mm. I'm taking you here. I've decided we're doing this and I'm going, mm. I'm taking you here. And I sit there and go, oh my gosh, I feel so loved right now. You've just like picked me up, scooped mm. me up and said, here, let me take care of you. <laughs> mm. You don't need to make any decisions. Or... Yeah. And so, but then there are other people who might, have a different capacity mentally my work is quite mental and Mm. so other people might not have such mental um load and they might sit there and go no that's so condescending i don't want someone making a decision about what i'm going to eat that's you know whatever whatever but for me and my capacities at times that is just like oh a gift from heaven (laughs) Mm. and that's all that matters like yeah yeah, the other person that would hate that because they love their independence, that's great as well. Yeah. They might feel in a different way where you'd look at it and go, really? Yeah. But how powerful, I, I, one of the things like empathy, empathy is if you've ever seen the six and nine thing where you put a six and then someone's standing at either end of it and for one person oh, yeah. they're, they're seeing a six and for the other person they're seeing a nine, the whole point of empathy is not to stand there and go, no, it's a six. And the other person go, no, it's a nine. Clearly it's a nine. Well, they're both right, aren't they? They're both right from their perspective. Mm. And so to be empathy to me is really about being able to imagine myself from their perspective, seeing what I'm looking at and then being Mm. able to go, huh, I get it. Wow. Okay. It doesn't resonate for me. It doesn't mean to say that they're changing my mind or that I'm going to all of a sudden change what my truth is that to me that's a six. But I can put myself in their perspective and see what they're seeing and feel what they're feeling and go, oh, wow, that's actually not a threat to me. Wow, okay, we're different and that's okay. Your perspective shows you that. Yeah, and that's really important because when you're trying to run your life based on other people's validation or perspective it gets difficult so let's just say for for example you didn't want to be seen in a restaurant 
caving in, you know, right? And But that's all you needed to build some capacity. And But it was, it was through a trauma of how or a shame of being seen as weak or not independent or mm-hmm. all of these things, suddenly what was supposed to actually be a way of relaxing, building capability, um, sorry, capacity, and just really like being felt held and nurtured in that position, now becomes something that actually expends yeah, as opposed to re- as opposed to re- recharging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. So I think it's probably worthwhile shifting the conversation if they, if these are the things that are life taking and that take our capacity, making the assumption that we do have the capability and we do have the skill set. Because I mean, if we don't, well, then we just we can learn. We can go and get the mm. skills. We can go and buy the tools. We can go and get coaching or whatever it might be. But what if we have all the tools, but we don't have the capacity? So let's have that conversation. What are some mm. things that you know in your life are life giving? And when I say life giving, they're the things that expand your capacity. What expands your capacity to be able to withstand things? Well, for anyone. And like if I'm just talking from my own experience, it's a couple of parts. It's something that you actually like for, for me what used to be life-giving was everything externally but I had to manufacture the perfect environment to feel comfortable in but that wasn't healthy mm-hmm. so what it did for me or what I had to do was a couple of things and it was a snowball effect the first thing is letting go of judgments of their around what it is that I needed because yeah. I could be very critical of others and also as critical on myself as I was of others. Yeah. So learning where did that criticism come from? Where did that judgment come from? And one of the most simplest things I started to look at was to look at where my ego was at play. Mm. And the first step that I took in it was every thought I had, I just, I had a thought and I just sort of touched it and go, is that from ego? And then I realized that Every person I met or I consciously acknowledged, I was judging, am I better than them or are they better than me? Yeah. And it was, but that was subconscious. That was just hidden. That was like a little program. Any computer nerds out there, I'm putting my hand up because I'm one of them. When you're constantly running all these programs in the background, and you've got the fastest computer in the world, but if you've got 32,000 Google yeah. Chrome tabs open, yeah. the thing's just going to run like a piece of crap. Yeah. And so what I uncovered was just one of these things, which was the constant judging and the constant evaluating of where I was yeah. in a pecking order. Mm. And this was completely external and it was constantly going. So when I just started to go, oh, that's a judgment, that's an ego. So like, do I have a better car than them? Do they have a better car than me? Yeah. Do I find myself better looking? Are they better looking? Yeah. Am I I better at something? Or, you know, okay, am I smarter than them? And it's like this constant thing running running there. And it was simply being aware of it, then combined with the mindset of, okay, where is that coming from? And working on that then suddenly you start to shut down some of these programs that you don't need 
and you start to heal where those programs were built from. Mm. And so then from there, and look, I still do doom scrolling. Like I'm a sucker for doom scrolling. I love it. Um, not all the time. I understand it's soothing. I'm not going to be the picture perfect, you know, human being. That's not the aspiration. But you've just got to start from some place. And then suddenly I noticed out of nowhere, road rage gone. Why did that happen? Because I was, I wasn't a incredible road rager, but boy, I'd get pissed off if someone didn't acknowledge I let them in. If someone cut cut me off, it would take a hot minute for me to cool down. Yeah. If so, if someone was trying to race me, and I don't have the fastest car, but I'd let them know I'm going to make it a real pain for them. Like it was all about you're not going to get on top of me. You're not going to get into my head. You're not going, but the whole time yeah. they are getting on top of me. They are getting in my head and I'm judging. And so all of these things, that it's just it's simply highlighting the unconscious yeah. that was it's going so on. True. And now it takes a lot to get me to a point where I'm like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And when I was unconscious, I could never mutter those words because that's for a weak person. Yeah, and to a point, you probably needed to, like you probably missed a lot of the cues that you even were. I wasn't looking for them. No. And so this is one of the things, um, if you're watching this, head to our YouTube channel because I put up a video with just a five-minute body awareness exercise. And the, mm -hmm. the potency of this is that it gives you such an awareness, it actually invites your body to whisper to you every single day. And if you are willing to show up and hear your body's whispers, it won't need to scream anymore. Ooh. And that is just absolutely profound. Mm. Um, a lot of because it, it, it will it will scream. It will scream. <laughs> it's get your attention, whether you like it or not. It's going to scream because it's it's it needs to. Like a child, right? Like a child when its needs aren't being met, it's going to scream. It's going to get louder and louder and louder, and all of a sudden its needs are going to be met. So mm. if a child just has to whisper to you and you are responsive to it, then the tantrums and screaming goes away, doesn't it? Mm. For the most for, part. For sure. Um, so some of the things that you were talking about, I kind of picked up a little bit of a theme of mindfulness, like mindfulness being really about awareness and I think we've done a whole video on self-awareness before but mindfulness is so important which is really about mm. that like self-awareness observation observing reactions observing sensations those kinds of things absolutely um, another thing that I picked up on was I know there's been a, a big you, like you've been pretty committed to your self-work so through mm. therapy therapeutic techniques and healing modalities and, and that kind Absolutely. of stuff. Um, you've been really dedicated to addressing mm. the root causes and, and trauma and all that sort of stuff. So that's been something, obviously, it's my line of work, but I'm in this line of work because I spent my life overcoming that. Mm. I still am. Um, so overcoming those unresolved traumas, resolving them all of a sudden gives you so much so much more capacity in your nervous system. Mm, Other mm. things like the obvious stuff that I think comes up in conversation a lot is things like get enough sleep, get quality sleep, 
exercise and exercise also help with sleep right yes um you and i were chatting before this episode that you've been walking at least six k's a day and Mm. breaking into a run i recently got a walking pad for under my desk so i'm walking during the day more and i'm finding that that is giving me better sleep and therefore i'm i have more capacity simply because the exercise is supporting <laughs> all those amazing oh, absolutely. in my body. It's moving um, the energy around. It's yeah. Yeah. And and then paired hand in hand with exercise is nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're um how many of us know that when we eat a really like heavy, carb laden, full blown meal or we overeat, mm-hmm. we have less capacity compared well, to the sugar the- spike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've covered quite a bit in there, like all the, the obvious ones. Yeah, well, there's, there's just a couple of others. When we sort of, when I looked at the, I think the, the being aware of, you know, the mindfulness was a massive bit, but I also combined that with trying meditation, which yes. is very difficult for me to try and find that still place. And yeah. It's, it was almost impossible to start off with. So I started, I got introduced to transcendental meditation, yeah. which is you got to anchor your thought onto a sound and try and get rid of any, anything else. Mm-hmm. Doing that really helped. And journaling, believe it journaling, or not, yeah. it was a massive thing for mm-hmm. me. And again, I had to let go of my judgment of being a little schoolgirl and keeping a diary. And yeah journaling out my feelings yeah so big really important for mental load and mental capacity because something has to hold that so mm -hmm. the energy of those thoughts the content of those thoughts and feelings has to be held so it's either going to be held by the vessel of your body and mind or it's going to be held by the paper that you've emptied it out onto And so what you find is that when you do journal, when you do write down what you're thinking, feeling, and just free write without analysis, you feel so much lighter because it's being held by the paper that those words are now on instead of being in your mind and your body. Yeah. And I'll start every journaling session with three things I was grateful for every day. Yeah. And that one, again, felt a bit difficult because I then started finding... I was writing stuff that I'd be very judgmental about. Like I'd be driving along and I'd be there going, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to write that down. I'm grateful for the beautiful day. Mm. I drive up to the house. I'm grateful for the house. They're going, this all sounds very emotional and wishy-washy. But having to let go of that judgment as part of that whole process, you then start to see a bit more beauty and then the gratitude sort of builds and you can find gratitude and just such the smallest things which believe it or not for me and i'm sure i'm not alone in this it builds capacity a hundred percent it does because it offshoots the negative emotions and fixations that we're having and so a few of the things you just mentioned there i would put them underneath an entire umbrella just called stress management tools and techniques Mm. so that's like that's your mindfulness your meditation your deep breathing your journaling all, all these amazing, beautiful stress management tools um, absolutely increase capacity. 
Yeah. Uh, I would also oh, say... Actually, I, I probably need to sort of say, because I need to be a whole lot more relatable because I'm really painting the Instagram picture of my healing process. <laughs> For those of you thinking that out there, there was thousands of tubs of ice cream and hundreds yeah. of hours of YouTube um, yeah. soothing at the same time. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks for keeping it real. <laughs> um, I would also say healthy social support mm-hmm. can massively increase capacity. I know because we also understand this through the concept of co-regulation, right? If we are in the presence of someone who is safe for us and their nervous system is signaling safety and through relational hormones and neurological processes, we co-regulate so they support us Mm. to come back down into safety and regulation, well, that safety increases our capacity. So even just having social support is really, really big. Um, Mm. And I, I... Two other ones pop into my head. They're a little bit left field, but one I actually really started playing with, um, oh gosh, probably seven or eight years ago now. I would call it sensory regulation. So sensory regulation, things like um, weighted blankets, yoga. So we're we're getting actual tension through the muscles, but it's controlled tension. Mm. It's facilitated like Um, I prefer Pilates. I've been doing a lot more Pilates lately. Aromatherapy is a really, really Mm. big one. Aromatherapy can support sensory regulation. um, But for other people, it might cause dysregulation if the scents are triggering or overbearing. But there's lots of um, sensory ways that we can improve our capacity. Uh, Playing with temperature can be really big as well. So... I would say that's a bit of a left field one. Um, And one that I think is super underrated is time management. So if we are setting our priorities, if we are managing our time well, if we're um, having some kind of schedule that gives us certainty, then the certainty of that increases our capacity as well. Mm. So time management I think is really underrated in these conversations like let's actually sit down and look at how you're structuring your day is it efficient are you doing things in an order that even makes sense are you time blocking and making time for things that are important to you so you know as you're saying all of that the one biggest thing that's popping up in my head is motivation Mm. because I could just tell when I'm thinking I really need to do something and I think about time management I'm like ugh. (laughs) You know, I know what I need to do. I know what I have to do, but I just can't find the motivation. Yeah. Maybe so I'll just sit do, on How the, do you tap into what you know about yourself and, and your dopamine hits in other ways that can give you the dopamine hit you need to be able to initiate that? So for me, I know that I get massive dopamine from connection. So the social support mm. thing is really big for me. I know that if I have social support, I'll be compliant with the gym. I will execute on the priorities that I've set for the day and the tasks that I've set for the day. So a big feature of time management for me is actually scheduling meetings every single day that I have to physically show up to. Well, physically, as physically as it is. But I have to show up to at the time and be held accountable for the things that I have or haven't done. And that social reward system for me 
is really, really powerful in increasing my capacity because I get a lot of significance and connection from that. Yeah, okay. So you mentioned something quite cool. So like how do you get sort of, how do you get motivated if motivation itself is not enough? Yeah. It's sort of like, okay, I know what to do. I, I, I have, I've got time. I've kind of got mental capacity, but maybe I'm just sort of lacking motivation. Yeah. I think what you're sort of saying here is set yourself some rewards. Reward. So, yeah. Um, yep. I actually saw something on YouTube yesterday about someone who was a um, some sort of life coach. But what she did is she actually had in her crisper drawer like four different bottles of champagne. I found this fascinating. And on each of those bottles, there was a piece of tape and a goal that she'd written on it. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. It doesn't really work for me, but it's that kind of theory of, okay, is there something you can do to kind of manufacture some of that motivation if you yeah. can't do it? So like for, for yourself, it's that accountability. It's a and face time. social connection, big time. Social big connection. Time. It's like my biggest reward. Yeah. And uh, for, for me, especially when it comes to running, I hate walking in circles. I can deal with running on a treadmill as long as I can watch something, but I find it difficult. But you really want to get me to walk, you give me a destination. And I'm all Wow. Over. Isn't that interesting? See, I could walk all day if I was walking and talking to a friend. Gotcha. That would just... I would have so much capacity for physical exercise if there was that, like I said, that social connection, social reward for me. Mm -hmm. But destination, it's kind of like, oh, still that far to go. Oh, still. Yeah. If I was you, alone. You put someone next to me, I'll be like, well, it's competition time. Ah! <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see who gets there first. I love that. I love how different we are. It's so cool. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's a really cool like moral mm, to the story and probably a good way to wrap this up is yep. these we've, we've given you a whole bunch of ideas on things that you can do to increase your capacity. Obviously, I have a massive, massive bias around resolving unresolved trauma and regulating your nervous system to increase your capacity that way through stress responses and stuff. Well, it's impossible to do without that. It doesn't matter what yeah. else that you do, that there would be the single biggest thing that you have to deal with. It's, it's because... the difference between, you know, cut, getting scissors and cutting weeds off so you can't see them as opposed to grabbing it by the root and pulling it out. Yeah, oh, I'm a car guy, so I love the analogy of have the fastest car in the world and have the best best wheels but don't put any tires on them. Let's see how far you go then. Yeah. Let's see how quick you are then. Like you, yeah. you're, you're, you're basically, you're going nowhere. Yeah. You're going nowhere in a hurry, sparks flying everywhere, lots of noise and lots of stuff. The, the, being able to bring that subconscious to the conscious as best as you can, you'll just find that you'll start to really just get rid of stuff that's holding you back, that you're just unconsciously draining you. So Yeah. Powerful oh, chats, Dave. Love it. Yeah, I like so it. So, guys, I, like I, I would encourage you, really consider, is your limitation a capability limitation or is it a capacity limitation? And then if it's a capacity, really think about what are those things that we've spoken about that you can start implementing to, to really start seeing a shift in your capacity. And if it is a capability gap, well, then find the tools, learn, get the mm. skills that you need. Um 
Oh, hit us in the comments. What are the things you're struggling with? What are the things that motivate you? Yeah, I'd love let's to have hear a, that. Let's have a discussion about it. Love to hear from you guys. Thanks for All joining right. us. Till next week. See you later. Bye.